Hey, hey, tree huggers, welcome back. Welcome. And today we're going to be speaking about the value of household participation, otherwise known as here chores. Chores. That's what we're going to talk about today is building up your team, building up your tribe, and teaching them the importance of chores and all the different skills that go into it. Mm-hmm. Children innately want to help, and if allowed to do so, they will continue helping voluntarily throughout childhood and adulthood. And you all want to know how. Mm -hmm. Does that actually happen? Mm -hmm. Right. Well, it starts really early, Mm -hmm. I would say. Yes. And so why, the why of chores is that we need them to be contributing members of the household. Mm -hmm. And I think when that's introduced early enough, then what you do is develop that sense of belonging, that sense of a role, that sense of responsibility, so that it's never, hopefully, followed up with nagging Mm -hmm. and arguing, because that never happens in homes. It does. (laughs) But we're going to try to avoid it. We are. But you say, I didn't start chores when my child was a toddler. That's okay. You start now. Oh. We'll give you some tips and advice on how to start, how to break things down, and and the importance of them. Mm -hmm. Oh. I also think that one of the main benefits of introducing household participation at a very early age is that it helps children have this sort of intrinsic desire to help. Now, we've talked about the goal of family tree therapies and all of our therapy is to help kids be intrinsically motivated, meaning they do things because they feel good. They do things because it puts a smile on your face. They feel a part of something, like Stacey mentioned earlier, the sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so while you're building up that capable person and you're trying to build that sense of empowerment, oftentimes as parents, we get a little bit um, off the rails when we're trying to have a behavior chart or we're trying to offer rewards for chores. Mm -hmm. Um, That's, I think, where we set the tone rather early that you only get those rewards or you get the extrinsic rewards when you're not intrinsically motivated to perform. Yes. Excellent. (laughs) Why, thanks. Actually, there was a study done in 2008, and it found um, that kids who were given an extrinsic reward for helping in subsequent uh, asks for help, they were less likely to help than the kids who initially just helped without the reward. So for kids who were initially rewarded, the next time they were asked to help, only 53% of them helped. Whereas the kids who helped without that extrinsic reward, the next time they were asked to help, 89% of those kids helped. I think that's a good stat. Mm -hmm. I think that proves a lot. I think that points to the partnership that we have to create. And I actually, uh, I I can't cite it. Actually, I'll probably try to cite it in the podcast notes. Mm -hmm. There was a really great article on NPR which talked about partnering with your child instead of dictating to and trying to control, which Mm -hmm. I think fits nicely with what we're talking about today, is how do we figure out how to create that partnership? How do we work together on chores? Because oftentimes I think parents get stuck in that cycle of like, go clean your room. Mm -hmm. 
or go do this or go do that. And it becomes more of a dictation, I'm giving you a job, versus we're working together uh, as a common goal Mm -hmm. to make the house look clean or have your room be organized. And I also think there's a nice subtle difference between being a partner versus a helper. A partner Mm -hmm. um, is is more needed than a helper. You're working together. You're an equivalent. Together, you're getting this done. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so this really goes back to, you know, full circle to some of our positive discipline work we've talked about. And when you picture, um, we use icebergs here, and if you can picture the tip of that iceberg being what you see, the behavior that you see, and underneath that, for all humans, is a sense of belonging and significance. That's what you're going for. And so when you have the chores or you have the partnership together, then you develop that sense of belonging and significance, which everybody really is striving for. Kids don't necessarily know that's what they're striving for, and sometimes they'll use socially inappropriate ways or temper tantrums or things like that. Um, but what they're really striving for is just to be part of something. Mm-hmm. And chores help build that. So let's talk about how to include a child within a chore. And then we'll give you some ideas of specific chores to do. And then we can summarize. I like it. Okay. okay. So when we talk about how to include a child in a chore, it goes right back to occupational therapy. It does? It sure does. Wow. Somehow mm-hmm. it always lands with that. I'm mm-hmm. shocked. At least in my eyes. I'm shocked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So one thing that we as occupational therapists like to sort of pride ourselves in is something we call an activity analysis. Mm-hmm. Taking a look at what needs to be done and breaking it down into small steps. Mm-hmm. So if we think about introducing a chore or a task for something that you want your child to participate in, One good way to do it would be to start by slowing down what it is that you're doing. If you happen to notice that your child is watching you do something, say folding the laundry, putting the dishes away, cleaning the mirror, slow the activity down and just see if they can become a part of it so that they can actually see the steps. You want because to make... definitely, just to throw in the SLP mm, yes, perspective, yes, is that children learn through imitation. That's mm-hmm. how we learn to communicate. That's how we learn nonverbals and gestures. Mm-hmm. And so that imitation is going to be important. And when you're doing something that's unknown, like Terry just named all those household chores, that's why when you tell a kid, go wash a window, go clean your room, go do this, they're not even sure of the first step. It's not something they necessarily practice daily. So that slowing down helps them to imitate those movements. Mm-hmm. And when we think about it from a perspective of motor planning, motor planning being the ability to come up with the idea of, of how to start the movement, how to accomplish the task, then sequencing the steps together, and then actually executing and carrying it out. So sometimes you may have to facilitate with the initiation component. Sometimes you may have to help direct potentially what the next step is. But by directing, I don't mean do this, mm-hmm. potentially more modeling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And really what, we, um, what I like to tell parents a lot is that we don't need so much language to any activity. So when you when you give direction, like Terry just said, when you're demonstrating, you're showing, you're pointing out, mm-hmm. you're giving them the next step, it doesn't have to be verbally. And I think we make mistakes by instructing verbally a little bit too high and expecting the response when really they're not sure what you're picturing, they're not sure when how to start the process, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So less language is better. Yes. And then another uh, component that I think is very important to emphasize is in addition to trying to make these activities fun, because they are your partner during these activities and whenever you are in a relationship, not whenever, that might be exaggerating, might be a little too intense, but when you're in a relationship with someone, we like to have it be fun and, and enjoyable. I think that's a pretty, so, pretty good statement. It's pretty general. Mm-hmm. We don't want it to be boring. No. So 
use your best attempt to make the <laughs> household activities fun. And at the same time, make sure that your child is aware of the end goal of the activity, mm-hmm. meaning it is to wipe down the counter. Now, if that is the case, you're going to, as the parent, kind of have to let go of some of your need for perfection. Mm, that you're might gonna, be difficult. Mm, you're going to have to let go of maybe exactly how you would do it and encourage them to do it. And in the beginning, you might have to accept that maybe not all the crumbs got wiped off. Mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm gonna throw my parents under the bus right here in the middle of the podcast. That one you're... was a shout out to my friend Mary. She told me the story. <laughs> now let's hear about your parents. Now let's hear about my parents. So I remember back in the day that my dad used to run the vacuum mm-hmm. every single day when he came home because he would be, <laughs> he'd be running the vacuum for my mom to get home who got home later. My mom may have been resentful that he got home so early, so the vacuuming was something he did. When she would get home, at times the vacuuming was not done. To her satisfaction. So you know what she did? She revacuumed. She revacuumed right in front of him. And do you know what my dad did? He read the paper. <laughs> that was a really aggressive one. He did read the paper, but he didn't want to vacuum anymore. She killed his intrinsic mm. motivation because she could not let go of perfection. Talking to you, Linda and Jim. Shout out. So in that same vein, that's what we're saying is that you have to let go of perfection so that people can feel involved and feel valued and, and validated. Right. And really create the sense of self-worth and independence that they can do the skill. Absolutely. So what are some of these chores that, that kids could do? Oh, I'd like to talk about those. Okay. And we're going to talk about those as uh, ingrated in ages. So as a toddler, you're going to look around and see everything that their life is really around, which is sleeping and eating and mm-hmm. playing with toys. Mm-hmm. And so, and the other thing before I go into what, what I think a chore could be for a toddler is that we want systems in the home. So when you say a chore for a toddler, like pick up your toys, you want to be very clear as to what that means or where those toys go, or you have a certain box that they all fit Mm -hmm. into. So, you know, around meals, they could have meal prep, they could be getting their own drinks, they could be putting away their toys, they could do basic cleaning, wiping up their crumbs, Mm -hmm. you know, basic yard work, those kind of things, dirty clothes to their hamper, um, things that they're doing, like cleaning up in the potty and on all the things that are around their life, you want to give them as much control as possible so that they can feel empowered over their environment. Mm -hmm. And O.T. Terry says that within each one of those skills, I want, as as parents, for you guys to realize that there are various motor tasks involved. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, if it is getting their own drink, think about the steps and the sequences that it takes to get their own cup of water or their cup of juice. They have to open the cupboard, they have to get the cup, they have to find a stool and turn the water on. So, Or they have to hold the jug of juice and their cup. So you've got the bilateral coordination. We're going to be taking a look at the, the visual perceptual skills that it takes to decide, is that full? Is my cup full? When do I stop pouring? So within each and every one of these chores or activities that we're hoping to build independence within, there are so many little steps and helping them accomplish each and every one of those steps. And going back to what we said earlier, you want to celebrate within that big plan. You want to celebrate which steps went well. And you want to let, like Terry said, let go of the perfection that the water may be spilled all over the counter and, you know, there might be a dribble of it in the glass. But what did we do well? And that's what we're going to celebrate so that we build that intrinsic motivation to try again next time. You know, ideally, sorry, you're going to want to... Fill the cup up with water, sit down perfectly, drink it, and have no messes. But at the same time, you're going to be scaffolding or building that support system, and it's not going to be perfect initially. And if the water does spill, oops, 
It's not a big problem. No, we've created an opportunity there mm-hmm. then to take to control of it, to mm-hmm. fix the problem. How are we going to problem solve together? Where's the paper towels? What's mm-hmm. it going to look like? And you've also modeled a small mistake and mm-hmm. how to react to it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So um, just to break down a little bit more, because sometimes people go, I don't know what chores, what can they be involved in? It can be little things like attempting to peel an orange or a little clementine. Um, even something as simple as just taking a plate that you get out of the cupboard and setting it onto the table. Mm-hmm. I mean, and if that is a, a challenge or you think there's going to be some giant mess or you don't trust them with the silverware, they can have their own plate food. They can have, I mean, depending on their age, if they're not appropriate at all to to be involved in the preparation, they could at least be close to you and be part of it. But you preparing and then them magically receiving doesn't necessarily involve them and I think that helps a lot with picky eating Mm -hmm. it did for me with my younger one Mm -hmm. who was picky initially and then when I started having him involved in meal prep and he was tasting as he went he just got a little more adventurous he just built that uh, intrinsic motivation to try and then if we think of things also from a sensory processing standpoint and potentially some of the tactile sensitivities allowing our kids in the beginning to get messy, to attempt to peel the orange, to have the juice spill, to figure out how to clean those things up. It's very, very helpful. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Moving on to the grade school or the elementary school age, so many things, obviously, in terms of greater organization, making their bed, uh, teaching them how to do their own laundry, hots versus colds. It's totally fine. Mm -hmm. Hots versus colds. I meant dark versus lights. Sort of similar. Hot versus cold temperature while washing darks and lights, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, doing the recycling, taking out the garbage, uh, homework organization, keeping their backpack clean. Choosing the clothes that they're going to wear. You know, in OT, sometimes what we do is is make little decision trees and flow charts to help kids realize what clothes can you wear. You can maybe pull up the phone, pull up the weather app, see the temperature, and that's going to help you decide, do I choose long sleeve, do I choose short sleeve? There's different ways that you can work towards organizing their drawers, potentially if it's too difficult to put together, you know, to pick out the pants and the shirt. Maybe you could put together outfits and have the drawers organized by outfits. That could happen. Mm -hmm. What if their outfits don't match? Does that matter? What if they go outside and they're hot? They're wearing a sweatshirt on a warm day. Mm -hmm. What if that happens? Drink water. Find some shade. What if they forget their coat? They might get chilly. Mm -hmm. These are the things, these natural consequences. We're not talking about putting people in harm's way, but we're talking about kids just experiencing their choices, Mm -hmm. and you have to trust them to learn from their choices. If you are constantly directing or you're constantly reminding, I always tell parents, guess what? You're going to constantly direct and constantly remind. Mm -hmm. At some point, you have to trust them and give them the skills to fly free. Right. As we get into high school, a couple of additional things, cleaning the bathroom, sweeping, vacuuming. Yard work. My son's favorite is yard work. Yard work. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, Ultimately, skills that we're building, right? We're building in terms of building this capable person. We want to talk about more cooperation and teamwork, uh, greater independence, being able to plan out a job, sequence a job, Mm -hmm. organize a job, like you were talking about, all these skills that we call together executive functioning. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then again, from the OT perspective, these are all wonderful opportunities to build independence in what we call activities of daily living and these instrumental activities of daily living. So you're going to take a look at the fine motor components, practicing opening and closing things and putting things together using both hands at the same time and all the different sensory input. You know, we talked about briefly the tactile component, but it can also be 
pulling the trash bin out to the end of the driveway and think about the uh, proprioceptive input and how potentially regulating that can be and, and helpful it can be for some kids. And then as well as the visual perceptual skills. Mm-hmm. And all the while, obviously communicating, problem solving, mm-hmm. pointing things out, using gestures, those kind of things to help kids develop that um, positive sense of communicating accomplishments or maybe what they need. Maybe they don't have all the tools they need to to complete a job. Mm-hmm. So all of that establishing positive feelings about work so that you're not wiring in negativity with mm-hmm. helping out around the house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pick one little thing, start there, slowly add in more. I think that's important. I think in summary, the thing we always tell parents is if the kid can do it, please let them. Excellent. so glad terry approves and we'll see you next time everybody bye bye